Cher. Short throw to Manquillo, back to Cher. Oh, yes. Cross players at the back post. Carroll. Goes right across his line. Carroll hands it back. Newcastle get the goal. He's been waiting a long time for this. Christmas has finally come from Miguel Almiron. He's got his gift of a goal. Well, listen to this. And it's it when he finally got it, Rob. The roof would come off this place. And look at this reaction. Such a popular player here on Tyneside, and you can see what it means to him. I went to Bladen Race, this was on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. We took the bus from Balbras, and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collingwood Street, that's on the road to Bladen. Oh, my lads, you should have seen us gunning. Passing the folks along the road just as they were standing All the lads and lassies there and all with smiling faces Yanning along the Scotswood Road to see the blading races Hello and welcome to CHN Radio episode 105. I'm your host Greg Troxell and Miguel Almiron scored his first goal in the Premier League. You can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg and without further ado I shall introduce the man who predicted it. I predicted the score, he predicted Miguel Almiron would score. That is the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. I actually don't think I predicted Miguel would score. Really? I don't think so, because I didn't think <laughs> like he the would one... start. No, I was thinking about this. The one, like, it, I I texted Roberto this, um, but I was like, the one match where I didn't predict Miguel to score, he scores, and the one match where you you're in Paraguay, he scores. So I was like, you just have to, we have to keep doing the same thing, and he'll keep scoring. So I was like, you got to just move to Paraguay, and you got to keep his name out your mouth. Well. Yes, but he's not doing that, so neither will I. But I won't predict him to score this upcoming match. Oh. So, just to see if, if I can ride the hot hand. The okay. Hot but yeah, I'm fairly certain I didn't. And I listened to I listened to the last episode up until, like, right before we did our predictions. So, I could easily find out, but I'm not going to. I like, <laughs> I like the, the thrill of just the unknown. Yeah. I predicted it would be one nothing, but I said John Joe would score, which is also not a bold prediction considering this is the fifth straight match. It's been one nothing. Well, I, or something stupid. We like don't that. do the segment bold predictions. We do what are our predictions, and I thought that's what would happen, and I was pretty close. Yeah, um, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter and get some hard hitting analysis of life, uh, the mat, the, the matches in general. Um, whether or not you know you should start who like someone in your fantasy team or not, all that kind of stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at Elijah underscore Newsom. Um, Greg, I feel like you didn't tell the people where you could follow follow you. Yep, so. I definitely did this time. Oh man, I just wasn't paying attention. Yep. Um, cool. So let's uh, let just a couple things before we really get into it is. Mm. Like, where were you when Miguel Amaron scored his first Premier League goal? 
Oh, we're doing that now? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I live in Atlanta, in case people were wondering if this is your first time listening to the podcast. Hello, I live in Atlanta, born and raised. Um, and obviously in Atlanta, um, there is a soccer team there, or football team, um, Atlanta United, which of course is Miguel Amron's former club. And I was watching it at this bar called Brewhouse Cafe, if you're from Atlanta, you know about this spot. It is the spot to watch um, football on a Saturday uh, or a Sunday morning uh, because they show every game. They've got tons of TVs. I mean, it's just a great place. So you've got, like, Newcastle fans buddied up against, like, you know, Southampton fans who are watching their match. And there's, like, Brighton fans and, you know, Arsenal fans and City fans coming in after. Like, all that kind of stuff. So... Anyway, everyone was in this bar, and, like, it was at that moment where everyone was starting to come in for the noon games. Like, every, all the other games were pretty much decided, so everyone's, like, watching Newcastle match. Everyone's an Atlanta fan. They were also Atlanta United fans, so when Almiron scored, like, the place literally shook. Like, it, we caused an earthquake. It was insane. Like, everyone was screaming, jumping up and down, hugging each other. Like, didn't matter if you were a Newcastle fan or a Southampton fan or, you know, a Aston Villa fan. Like, everyone was just, like, happy that Megan got his first goal. Um, it was a real W for the whole city of Atlanta. Um, as you guys saw, uh, we tweeted about it. Dirty South Soccer tweeted about it. MLS tweeted about it. ESPNFC tweeted about it. It was a big deal for anyone who's American. So, uh, shout out to us. Even though Mickey's not American, yeah, we're tri- Americans are as if really it's excited. Yeah, we're really <laughs> excited for a Paraguayan to score in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, That's what happens when he's, like, just one of the best players in your league. you just like, please work, please score, please do something. Unfortunately, they didn't show the match in Vegas at the strip clubs at oh. 7 a.m., so it was a little bit of a mixed reaction here. Hard to get oh, a read. I'm crazy that you were in the strip clubs at 7 a.m. You know, it's, it's a crazy life we live out here in this wow. city created by the mafia. Um, Yeah, no, it was... In, like when I when it happened when I saw the goal, uh, like I was sitting and I was I couldn't sit after that. I was like hype. I was super hype. Oh yeah. And definitely we we're talking to a lot of Atlanta United friends of mine and uh, tweeting a lot. <laughs> that's that's what I was doing. Uh, it was a wonderful moment, and we are going to get into that. We're going to do some news, and then we'll get into a crystal palace recap and then we're also news going to preview yeah there's light news um yeah. and then we're going to preview our match this thursday boxing day against manchester united so let's get into the news and the first thing that is that we're going to hit is matt ritchie was named yeah. the efl team of the decade he was uh efl ran a poll 60,000 people voted, and uh, Matt Ritchie made the club alongside uh, some folks. I think Casher Schmeichel was on that, uh, Anthony Knockart, uh, Hulahan, that guy. Connor. It was a Connor Hulahan, yeah, whatever. Uh, he was on there as well. I, I don't know. It was, it, was, it was a thing. And I think Greg hit the nail on the head earlier when we were talking about this off, off, the, uh, off air, as they say in the industry. Um <laughs> Dwight Gale somehow didn't make this list despite having multiple 20 goal seasons in the championship. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I guess it's like one of those things where he hasn't been in the championship for a decade. So like, I don't know if people associate him with like, because part of it is it's fans. So it's like attitude and favoritism. But if you're going like straight up production, like Dwight Gale would just have to be in it. Oh yeah, for sure. That's and then that's you know who would be the thought. manager. They didn't have a, a, a they didn't have a thing for this, but the manager should be uh should be Steve Bruce. No, it's got to be. Well, who's gotten the most promotions? I guess Steve Bruce has done pretty well in that regard. Well, I mean, like he's probably one of the greatest championship managers of all time. Could be because he's got the most promotions. Yeah. So. He, yeah, he does have the most promotions. He yeah, he's tied. He's joint top of both most promotions in oh, championship. Wow. Yeah, but that's the thing is that that's not a good stat to have because like ideally you want to get promoted from the championship once, maybe twice, and the hope is if you're actually like a really good manager that like that's why there's probably not a best championship manager of the decade because they wouldn't be in the championship anymore. Yeah. Because like if you're actually a good manager, you would just be in the Premier League. So <laughs> Yep. Who was the guy who managed Leicester? What was his name? I totally forgot. But like currently or when he was No, no, when they were promoted and won the league. Claudio Ranieri. Ranieri? Yeah, he'd probably be it. Because he's still managing the championship right now, I believe. Is he? Because uh, uh, yeah, he wasn't the Fulham manager for a little bit. I thought he well. went to Italy. Okay, well. I don't know. It's uh it's I haven't kept not up with important. Him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um the next bit of news. Is from the Sun. Uh, oh, they are reporting well. that we actually signed Regan Thompson. And if you have, if you're new to that name, um, he is at Queens Park in Glasgow. Uh, it's a Scottish club in the second or third tier. I can't remember what what level they are in the <laughs> Scottish second tier. second tier. So he's made the yeah, senior 16 team. years old. Yes, he's made the senior team as a 16 year old player and is really impressed. And the Sun are reporting that we have signed him for thirty five for a thirty five thousand dollar fee. Uh, he's, Queens Park is technically an amateur club, so in in those situations, if he was in the youth team of Queens Park, he we could take him for free. But because he's made senior appearances, he we have to pay a fee for him, and we agreed on thirty five thousand, um, which is apparently more than Newcastle were expecting, but. The Sun are saying we got into a little bidding war with Rangers for him, um, but we won. Uh, that's what the report is. Uh, we've talked about him twice before this. Uh, do you have any thoughts? He's obviously going to be a youth player for us, if if it's true. Yeah, 35000 Yeah, I, Is it time to have a conversation about our youth system? Uh, I mean, like it's a constant conversation that we, that we have, especially on this podcast. But I do think that, like... A lot of Newcastle fans, um, I don't know. I, I think we have a lot of recency bias with the Longstaff brothers. And we just tend to forget that, like, outside of them, we don't have any good prospects. Like, good, good prospects. Not to the degree you would, I would say, of, like, you know, other Premier League teams. No, no, yeah. The youth team's really struggling. Um, but, uh, so there's just an article in Athletic today about Steve Nixon. And his recruitment and a lot of the players that he's brought in on the youth team and on the senior team. And it's a lot of hit and miss. The youth team is mainly the miss. Uh, So they're having a tough time finding talent that aren't senior ready. And 
that they, I, I'm sure Newcastle could do a better job in Newcastle in development, and obviously facilities do matter. And like Rolando Aarons was one of Steve Nixon's big players. That didn't. That's not working out. By the way, he's still like not even starting in League One. He's a sub. Uh, like for instance, his last match, he played nine minutes. Um, so it's like he he's made some bets and he has done really well. Nixon has done well on a lot of players, but he's also like missed. And I think that's normal for a scout. Like sometimes you're gonna get some things wrong, and if his weakness is the youth level, which which was what he was good at originally. Uh, but the trend is showing that these signings aren't really working. Like Ludwig, Francolette is not playing barely. Like it's it's a lot of these signings aren't going well. So yeah, but it is it is tough when you're not also. I think the other thing that's like probably not talked about, and you've mentioned this as well, is especially when we're in bidding wars for youth players with other Premier League academies and even other academies in other leagues. Um, it's tough to, to sell Newcastle, one, because, like, you know, outside of the Longstaff brothers, we ha- really haven't been a side that's, you know, done well in promoting our youth or our youth prospects haven't worked out on the first team. But on the other hand, like, what are you pitching them in terms of facilities? Move to the Northeast, it's cold, it's rainy, it's wet. I mean, that's your own thing. But you get there and it's like, you know... Outside of the paintings and stuff inside the the uh, the locker rooms and crap like that, like we, we don't have the facilities to to compare with with your Leicester's, with your Tottenham's, with your Arsenal's, your Chelsea's. I mean, if I'm a youth prospect, Newcastle's probably near the bottom of my list. If three other clubs are chasing me, yeah, I like. There's a lot of things like because like you're you're definitely you're you're so you're definitely right. And one of the things that people don't look at when it comes to signing players, and this is first-team youth all around, is like, yeah, he's missed on youth players, but you don't know the players that we've really gone after that have actually been hits, but just didn't pick us. And that's the same with first-team, too. Uh, it's There's a lot of, like, when, it, when you build the sell package to come to Newcastle, like, you're comparing it to, like, a clubs that have made significant investments eight figure investments on their facilities so it's it's hard to do that when we've never done that so and f- like the facilities that's where these youth prospects live like they live in these places yeah they spend all their time here so it does play a role um we do we have a little bit of a track record but there's plenty of clubs that have way more of a track record than we do uh so it's it's a little bit tougher but hopefully, yeah. Reagan Thompson is really good, and he's a ton yeah, of room to I develop. Mean, so let's hope it works. In a per in like you that to that point, like a perfect example. This is really recent. With, it was Jelson Martins, I think, last season, who like had the option of going on loan to us or Monaco. I want to say that was him. Yeah, because he was. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. He had the he had the option of going um, on loan from because he wasn't getting any playing time in Atletico with us or Monaco. And he ultimately chose Monaco, and you have to wonder, like, I mean, it's a lower league, it's a French league, but Monaco's facilities and and such are just so far. I mean, I don't know if anyone's seen their training ground, but it's literally like in the side of a mountain. 
and we talked about this when this happened. Like, it's in the side of a mountain. It's absolutely gorgeous there. Yeah, I'm going to choose them over, you know, Newcastle, where it's like, yeah, I get to to play under one of the greatest managers in Europe. But in terms of facilities, it's a, it's a letdown. In terms of, um, you know, the, the ownership, it's a letdown. There, there's a lot of other factors that go into it. Yeah. So anyway, that was a, a quick tangent because there's no news. <laughs> there we go. Uh, the last thing is looking ahead to January. Uh, what do you think Newcastle is going to target? What are their biggest needs? Uh, I say it's probably a midfielder and a striker. Uh, I don't think we really need I, to touch the defense besides maybe another winger. But even then, like, yeah, we're in good shape there or better shape there. We are in good shape at the winger. We're in gooder shape. I would argue we're in better shape in the midfield than the winger, but knowing Newcastle, they're going to go after a midfielder. Um, but, like, I think we didn't realize how bad of a shape we were in with the winger until we had that that situation where our two starting wingers went down, and we literally have one other winger that we trust off the bench, and it's Christian Atsu. That's it. Like, there's no one else. <laughs> That's it. So... I do think that Newcastle will be wise to bring in another winger just to have a body um, so that you don't have the situation again where if you lose your two wingers, one of which who has dealt with a hamstring injury the entire season, you have something to fall back on besides just one player. Um, and so it doesn't feel like a huge need. But, I mean, I don't know if, uh, if Joel Linton doesn't look great on the wing. He looks better as a secondary striker, which we will talk about later. But, I don't know, I think that should be a, a priority, but Newcastle have hit and miss on so many wingers, I don't know if they're going to do it. Um, another thing, uh, midfield, definitely, uh, I would agree. Um, striker, I think if Gale is sold, which I believe he will be sold, that's how we get the striker. I don't know if you can convince Mike Ashley to outright purchase a new striker when we're sitting, I mean, potentially in going into January in the top 10. Um, it's going to be hard to convince Mike Ashley to really invest in much of anything, if we're being honest. But especially a striker when we are doing fine without um, a, another striker. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Winger would be the priority if I were the manager. Yeah, I wouldn't say we are doing fine without a striker. That was that was a air quotes because I'm Mike Ashley. He doesn't yeah, like, he doesn't look at stats. He's like, oh, we're in we're in ninth. We must be doing fine. I no I'm looking at the fact that our goals have come from our defenders. He yeah. doesn't care about that. I I think I'm going to operate under the fact that Lee Charnley knows and uh I'm assuming Steve Nixon, who we've already mentioned has already already has a whole list of players for him. Um and I know Bruce isn't doesn't really have a choice at this point. Uh he's like an actual head coach. But I just like I think we can yeah, um, I, we just need somebody. I, I, you're right. Lee Charnley knows. I mean, Steve Nixon knows. Steve Bruce knows. The players know. But it still comes down to Mike Ashley. Like we've needed a striker for since since Rafa has since made it to the Premier League. We've needed another striker, and you know sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I think we've hit and miss on a few guys as well with Slamani. Rondon bringing him on alone was great. But other than that, we haven't bought a striker until, like, when we needed one until, like, 
I guess we bought Muto in the summer, and then we followed that up with buying Joel Linton. So, yeah, it, it. I think the people who need to know the need is there, but I don't know if they're going to get the support from from the big Mike. Um, I wonder that, that they deserve. I wonder. I, Rafa doesn't seem like a spiteful person, but he has to be laughing a little bit at the fact that he didn't want to sign Jolinton because he didn't think he was worth that money. And they went ahead and did it anyway with Bruce, and it's not working out. So, um, And Hoffenheim, too, yeah. has to be loving life right now. Yeah, also, um, I mean, I don't know. I think part of it is it, it's uh, you you have to wonder if it's a system with Joel Linton because it just seems like he's just been used wrong. There's a there's a bit of there's definitely it's probably 50-50. Like there's moments where it's like he looks like he belongs, but it's oftentimes because he's not playing the role that Rondon would traditionally play in that system. He's more playing with the ball at his feet, he's making some decent passes, and he's looking good in moments where he's like defending and stuff or he looked good when he was playing as a secondary striker. Like his one of his his better two games have been when he's playing as like a winger and then as a secondary striker. So just not where he's supposed to be playing. Um, supposed to be playing in, in quotes. So it it's it's interesting. Maybe if we stick with this two up front system, we'll see a little bit more from him because he got some more chances. He didn't convert them, but there were chances. Yeah. Um, you got anything else? Um. I was going to bring up the fact that, I mean, you kind of touched on it. It seems weird that we're in January, we're almost in January, and there's not a lot of news. I feel like last year around this time, we had like well, three different takeover rumors. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of players we were linked to, Rafa's future. It just seemed like it was a busy time, um, especially with Miguel. Like, that was the whole thing we kept bringing up. Um, so it's just weird having a quiet December, which is not a good thing. Yeah. I think that means that we're not going to be active this window at all, which is the last thing Newcastle needs. Yeah, well, we'll see. Well, we're only just a mere, pretty much week away. Um, and, and we're two teams. And two teams have already announced signings. <laughs> so, so, so has the Suns announced one for us? Oh yeah, net spend thirty five thousand dollars. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk about Crystal Palace. Uh, we're going to do that right after this break. Miguel Almiron. Yeah, Chavis Regal. Regal, don't forget. one nothing win over the cheap vodka fast food restaurants. Uh, and there was some good things to take away. A, a lot of deja vu from the Burnley match to take away from it. But the most important thing to take away from this is Miguel Almiron. And uh, everyone's seen the goal... Uh, probably an unhealthy amount of times. There's so many awesome angles. Uh, it just like, and I don't think just Elijah was telling the story earlier in the news, just like fans from different, like supporting different clubs in Atlanta. We're just so happy, but like that's because of the Atlanta connection, but just around the premier league, I'm sure there was fans that support many other clubs are like, wow, I'm happy he got one. Cause like, he's a hell of a player and uh, people that have played against Newcastle, see it too like he's obviously a very talented player and it's a big big day for him to finally get it and it's been 11 months and it's right around the holidays and he has more goals than Sunderland has in the last few years in the Premier League so he's outscoring an entire our entire rival in the Premier League which is a big deal yeah yeah 
So shout out to Miguel Amaron for accomplishing that feat. Um, so before we really dive into tactics, thoughts, happiness meters, whatever we're going to do here, we are going to talk about three words after every match. Us and or the Chronicle, because they try to steal yeah. a bit. Oh, oh, the Chronicle. If you're <laughs> listening, this is the second time you've done this, okay? Yeah, they stole our gift thing and our three words thing. Get get your own content. This yeah. is not your content. We're 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 taking a stand, and I don't want to be that guy, but I don't know. It's getting it's getting on my nerves. <laughs> those were two of our best ideas, and we're running out of ideas. So just stop stealing our stuff. Imitation's the greatest form of flattery, Elijah. That's how we have to look at it. I don't believe in that bullshit. <laughs> I do. <laughs> okay. Well. Um, all right, so three words. We have some good ones. Kim Avery at Kim Kerfuffle. Miggy's done it. Mr. Steal Your Worldwide, which we did talk to in a private DM, and we cannot confirm or deny that this is a player's burner account. I will say that. Um, oh, Mr. yes. Mr. Steal Your Worldwide at yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo. Beauty from Miggy. Larry, Larry, at Ben underscore Weiss, oh hell yeah, Don at Smick Ultra, not enough words, that's true too, Toon Army Syracuse, at Toon Army Syracuse, Miggy effing Christmas, Jeff Can, at Jeff Can 4, in top 10, in top 9, Jeff, uh, Trevor Mooney, at Trevor Mooney 12, M- MLS births gods, that's a great one. <laughs> Uh, Toon Army Portland with just a, just an incredible, incredible picture. Uh, and I'm spent, but you'll have to look it up yourself. Brian Gardner at Brian Gardner 10 lost Miggy shirt. Um, the Dominist at The Dominist. Effing cans, lads. And N.H. Kendall at Pyramus697 says F. Yes, Miggy. It's more like Miggy. And that's your three words. Thanks for doing that. Let's get into some lineups. And we had a little bit of a change there, Elijah, didn't we? Um, so we rolled up in a in a three five two. What were your thoughts with the initial lineup announcement? I mean, I was del- because I just didn't believe John Joe or Miggy would play. I yeah. was delightfully surprised. 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 Yeah. I was very surprised too. Um, yeah. I was even more surprised when I saw a one Florian Lejeune. Yes. Got into the, the first team as well, which we'd been teasing for a while, been wondering when it was going to happen. He'd been named to the bench a couple times, and people were talking about it. I mean, it's been, we've been talking about his imminent return for probably been a month now. Yeah. And it happened. And yeah. he looked good. So <laughs> He's good. good for him. He's, he's Spoiler still alert. <laughs> yeah. um, were yeah, you surprised so. at all about Carol and Jolinton up top over Gale? I think it was – I feel like um, – I, I thought it was going to be Gale because I'd seen the pictures of him training uh, in the same color penny as like other first team players from the previous match. And so I was just doing my own assumptions even though I'd been in situations where like – 
I worked for a soccer team and like we just you just use pennies throughout practice and it's not really by who's starting or who's not starting. It's just like this is your team for practice. And so I was still being dumb and thought that, oh, that means Gale is going to start. It did not mean that at all. Um, I'm happy that Joel Linton and Carroll got to start. I think Joel Linton, for all the frustration he had he, he, he had this past game, I think, like I said earlier, it was one of his better performances uh, in a Newcastle shirt. He was very helpful defensively. He was good off the ball. I think there were some times where... If the balls were better, he would have he would have had an opportunity to score. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting, and I think what delighted me the most, and what I think surprised a lot of us, was Miguel Amiron playing centrally. Yeah, because it seemed like that was something that was never going to happen once he got to the Premier League, because it seemed like no manager was going to do it. And out of all the managers, it's Steve Bruce. Yeah, he did it. He did it. And just to use the word one more time, are you surprised about how far Kraft has fallen? No, because I think that after his first couple debuts, I wanted to give him the, the benefit of the doubt. But, I mean, he's fine, but he's not he's not great. And I think we both, I don't know, I feel like we didn't have super high expectations for him. I couldn't remember how oh, high no, you I were was, on him. I was on him. I, I, was, okay. I was saying... I was a believer. I was a craft believer. Well, I don't know what to tell you because I mean he had some good run. He had some really good, like his first two or three starts were like really good, and then not good anymore. Yeah, I think he's made five total appearances, and he seems pretty far back there. Okay, let's get into the match. So three five two, which we've talked about. Jolinton and Carroll up top. Hayden and Almiron uh, were in front of Shelby in the midfield. And then Dummett was the left wing back. Mankio on the other side. Lejeune was on the left side of the center backs. Cher was on the right side. And Fernandez was in the middle. Um, the match started and Newcastle looked great. So there's a couple things I wanted to point out here. Uh, just This is just in general in the first half in this formation. Having Lejeune in the lineup is huge because I don't think there's better ball playing center backs in the premier league. I'm being honest than are than the three of Cher, Fernandez and Lejeune and having Lejeune in there is, was huge. Like any one of those guys can take the ball and go and like literally it makes a, it, like I cannot wait for Gucci max to come back because our counterattack is probably going to be one of the best in Europe. If the three center backs are in there with a fully healthy St. Gucci Max Almiron, like that would be a deadly combo with Shelby in there, Willems in there healthy. Like, holy crap. Um, so that was key, and they really like. Oh, it wasn't key because he uh, wasn't in the team. It was Florian because he, like, was able to, he was just so comfortable in the ball. He clearly hasn't lost his confidence. Uh, now we're just really happy and hopeful. That, well, happy he's in and hopeful that we don't have a trend on our hands. The other thing is Isaac Hayden. Um, Isaac Hayden was – so one, we, we were pressing higher, a lot higher than usual again, and that's just the the naturality of the three five two formation. But also we were using Isaac Hayden as an almost an attacking midfielder. Like he was way higher up the pitch than usual. He's usually alongside Shelby, but this time he's alongside Almiron. And, and – 
running past Almiron and getting in, into the attack, which I think <laughs> took Crystal Palace off guard initially and really shocked their back line because they're like, I mean, I didn't even watch film of Isaac Hayden because, like, he's a defensive midfielder. But uh, deploying him in an attacking role really seemed to help in the first half. That's just my notes. And uh, we got our first chance within the first, like, six, five, six minutes, and it was Hayden. Um, and it was Almiron who, beautiful ball into Hayden, and he got into the box behind Palace's defense, and that was part of the surprise. And you're like, wait, why is Hayden making runs? Like, I'm not even, like, didn't even know I was supposed to be marking this guy. And if he stayed up on this chance, like, that's a goal because it's wide open net, but he fell. <laughs> and, um, but like, I mean, that's one of those opportunities where it's like he's so close for a goal. Uh, I wish other people were making runs inside the box there too, but. That's fine, whatever. Um, and then it was mostly Newcastle controlled, but no, no real chances came, uh, which I was bummed because we were having possession and we weren't taking advantage of our opportunities at all. And then I was concerned about the right before the halftime goal. A um, couple chances for, for Palace, a huge save by Dubrovka on Benteke. Uh, or no, uh, Zaha. Yeah, it was Zaha. And um, halftime was 0-0. We played well. We had some good opportunities, but not good enough. And it was 0-0. Elijah, what's your thoughts on the first half? Yeah, I mean, I I think what you said about Caden was spot on. Um, I think him and Miggy playing centrally just did loads for our attack. And I think people were upset with... I, I, I don't know. I think there are people who were... And rightfully so, very disappointed in like the quality of play in that first half because you could argue neither team looked good, but I think Newcastle looked really good for using a formation that they previously tried that didn't work, and then it now was like working, and they were creating opportunities. It was all about the final ball, which is the story of Newcastle the past five years is the final ball the final ball the final ball and that was the theme of this match was Newcastle literally would string together these decent attacks would ping some long balls to get guys into space like just our like you said the the center backs were just on one uh this match like they were pinging balls left and right um all over and like it was interesting because it didn't seem like Dubrovka was doing much distributing himself it seemed like he was just like riding the hot hand and just rolling it out to Fernandez or Lejeune or or Cher and just like, all right, no, you ping the ball upfield. Like you're you're obviously more accurate than me at the moment. Um so I think that like that half as a whole got a lot of slack from fans because they were just complaining about how awful it was. But I think that if Newcastle had scored, then I don't think people would have been saying that because I don't know, I think people were just frustrated that all of that build up and holding possession didn't result in a goal. Yeah, it didn't. Um, you have to, I mean, you can definitely wonder what would happen if we had Almiron and Sanguchi next to each other over Hayden, if we would be up three or four, nothing at that point, but that's not a luxury that we had. So we get into the second half and it's dead zone. It's literally a repeat of Burnley. Um, it was like I've never watched a Sunday league match. I've heard people talk about it, but it sounds like how this one was. <laughs> and uh, 
Credit to Bruce here. He made some subs early, but he didn't change, or earlier than usual, but he didn't change anything. So he subbed off Hayden for Longstaff, and Longstaff just went into that same role that Hayden was doing, which is not as effective because Hayden's a little bit more versatile than Longstaff. So Longstaff trying to get into those attacking lanes, not really going to fool anybody there. And then some... We, we just ran out of ideas the entire second half. Uh, Crystal Palace were taking all the possession, and it didn't even look like we wanted the ball for most parts of the second half. Um, and then we made our second sub, 77th minute. Jolinton came off for Gale. And it was just another like-for-like. Like. Gale went alongside Carroll, and we didn't change anything. So, like, that's my one criticism is, like, okay, something's clearly not working, and the first sub did nothing. So, like... What makes you think adding a striker alongside Carroll is going to change anything? We have to do something different. Um, but then we scored shortly after. Um, and it was the goal heard around the world. Miguel Almiron, it was a throw-in on the right side. Cher hits it. Andy Carroll heads it across the box and sitting right there, unmarked, juicy, right in the middle, with great precision and technique. Miguel Almiron, the Paraguayan protractor, slots in the goal, takes his shirt off, throws it in the air, and hugs a happy young fan as his team jumps on him as well as the entire city of Newcastle and cool people around the world celebrated a 1-0 lead for Newcastle United. Elijah, the floor is yours to talk about your baby boy, Miguel Almiron. I didn't birth him. So, he's not my baby boy. Hey, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, I don't know. I think I honestly couldn't tell. I, I don't know if you've got eyes on this. I've watched that goal probably 40 times in the past couple days. Um, I couldn't tell if the keeper saved it, like hit it off, it, it like bounced off his palm of his hand and went to the side netting, or Miguel just like hit that with his left foot and it just went like all the way pretty much to the side netting and and he scored that way. Because like the keeper dove in the right direction, but I couldn't tell if it like deflected off him and went in or it just was like that good of a strike. I want to believe it was just that good of a strike, but that's just, if we have some sleuths out there who want to do some weird crap like slow the thing down and blah 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 and find hidden angles you do it because I'm, I'm not going to but it was a beautifully worked goal um i think you hit it spot on about the second half it was it seemed like newcastle didn't really want any of the ball um palace could have scored two goals um they just are as bad at finishing as we are and to be fair it looked like two evenly matched teams um which made sense since palace were in ninth and we were in tenth um, or 11th, I don't remember, 9th and 11th maybe, uh, separated by maybe a point, not even, or maybe just goal differential. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty brutal to watch in the second half. Um, Dwight Gale being brought on is interesting, because I think even Muto offers something different than Dwight Gale. Uh, I just don't think Dwight Gale is that good. I, I don't know why he still gets subbed on to matches. Um, and I've felt this way since... We moved to the Premier League, so that's my take on that. 
Um, Andy Carroll, uh, we brought this up in our Slack chat. Um, writer Mirza pointed this out. Uh, Andy Carroll is just not good with the ball at his feet. <laughs> like, if it's not in the air, then, like, he's just not that great with it. And there was plenty of times he kind of gave the ball away and had some errant passes, um, including a couple to Joel Linton that surely would have sent him in on goal, uh, which is what I was kind of talking about earlier. Like, the runs were there for Joel Linton this match. Um, just sometimes the service wasn't all the way there. Um, but other than that, I think everyone played well. I was surprised at how good Shelby was in that kind of CDM role, um, actually staying disciplined in, in defending, which is something that I thought was impossible given kind of how it ended with him and Rafa. So, yeah, I don't know. It was it was just a – I'm just happy that we won. I don't know. There's not much else to say. Yeah, that was a, a fantastic moment. And the, the whole end of it, the last, what, I guess 10, 11 minutes with extra time, um, was it, it wasn't actually about are we going to blow this because uh, there wasn't never really a chance for Crystal Palace, uh, but it was just euphoric in the fact that everybody was just still like relentlessly celebrating that goal. And I think even palace just got caught up in it and was like we're not going to get anything out of this it was yeah. it was just a dud it just continued to dud on the rest of the way it was kind of a perfect moment for miguel in a way because like he got his goal and his moment um and it was like the best way to do it like the game winner like nothing else happened so you literally had at 10, home. 10 straight yeah at home 10 straight minutes of everyone just singing your name cheering going nuts right before christmas yeah it was it was his moment um and that was really it was cool literally like the the movie goal like everyone was tweeting out that picture yeah but yeah. It, was, it was just like that like yeah. just it's it, literally the most perfect first goal you could possibly imagine oh another thing that i wanted to mention wilford zaha we need to have a conversation because that guy like i was on his side throughout this whole this whole summer i know people if you aren't been tuned into him, he was trying to force his way out of Crystal Palace, and I was like, "Hey, I don't blame you." Mainly because I knew Crystal Palace was going to be like a mid-table rival, and like he's really good, so I didn't want to play him um, in crucial matches. Uh, so that was it was really selfish by me, but still. But I mean, that guy is a prick. Like he is the worst. Like <laughs> he just sucks. I hate him. Like he flops and then he fouls, and somehow he didn't have a yellow card. And the moment of the match was like. Like, he had a couple hard fouls. There was one that was right before the, the Almiron goal that was against him. There was one white... At, let me, like, we fouled him. Sent him a little message uh, after he had fouled us and really hard and was not given a yellow. And then, like, after we scored, like, Newcastle players did not care. The ref clearly didn't care either. Because there was literally a moment where, like, someone literally shoved him. And he went flying off the ball. Like, it was not... It was, like, extended to... I think it was Cher... Two arms extended, and he just flew. And that actually probably was my second favorite moment of the match. Because it was so funny and so low-key. The commentators didn't even talk about it. The ref just, like, saw it, looked at it, and just walked past. And I don't know. He got what he deserved. <laughs> Love it. That's it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Uh, let's get into some quotes now for this match. Steve Bruce said, you can't get carried away in the Premier League. We've got some really hard games coming up. That's the Premier League, but we've given ourselves a good platform going into Christmas. We changed our formation for the third time this year and thought we'd put two at the top to see if we could use that, cause them a few, a few problems. Wow, suck at reading. 
Uh, to get a clean sheet, you need your goalkeeper to do well. He's made two or three really good saves. Um, on Almiron, he said, I nearly did a Jose Mourinho running down the line. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Brucey almost oh, yeah. broke his hip. <laughs> yeah, um, which that's what you love to hear from your manager. Oh, people forget, Brucey had that moment where he kicked the ball back in as well. Yeah. So, And it was like, that was during the second half when everyone looked like shit. So it was like, you might as well get him out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he said, I think the crowd showed their appreciation for him. I think relief is the wrong word. We're all just delighted for him. Since he came to the club in January, he lit the place up with his pace, trickery, and skills day in, day out. He works and works, but unfortunately he's not been able to manage a goal. Today he's got his winner, and we're all delighted for him. It took a long time. He's been unfortunate on so many occasions. Today when it fell for him, it was a difficult chance coming from behind him, and he's managed to smash it in. He's a great pro, great lad, and he works really hard. You've got to, When you've got a gem like that, they deserve all the success. I'm sure we'll find him. Um, also, he commented on Paul Dummett, said he's got a groin injury. We'll see how he is. For Dummy to play, we were struggling on that left side with Willems out. It was difficult for him, but you know how it is for him. He sticks at it and never, ever lets anybody down. Um, so that is your quotes. Going to stats, Miguel Amaran scored his first goal for Newcastle, and he is the 148th Newcastle player to done that in the Premier League. Um, it took him until the 27th game, 2,191 minutes, but it was worth the wait. He's the second Paraguayan to score for Newcastle United. Do you know the first? No. Diego Gavilan. Okay. I don't know uh, why it was you would a, expect me to know that. It, it was um, a goal is before you were born uh, in April of 2000. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <Not> he, scored, <laughs> he scored against Coventry City. Um, and it was the first time Newcastle United won without Alan St. Maximin in the lineup. Huh. Good for us. Yeah. Do you have any stats before I continue? Sixth straight match where there's been only one goal scored in the Crystal Palace Newcastle Derby. This yeah. is this needs to be a rivalry now. Like it just <laughs> needs to be the most boring rivalry of all time. Like and they should do like in American football, uh, this is a little education moment for our British fans and people who are not from America. Um, college football uh, schools and college football schools. College football teams in America, like, have these rivalries with these ridiculous trophies. Like, like I don't know, what's one? Is There's, a there's like, a couple schools where it's, like, there's one school where they literally just, like, they the two schools play for, like, a rock. Like, there's, like, a, the, 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 the golden egg rivalry. Like, I think that's Ole Miss and Mississippi State. So we should just get one for Newcastle and Crystal Palace. And I don't know what it would be. Maybe just, like, a, a hamburger just like a golden hamburger. Sure. Play for that. <laughs> but yeah, we'll uh we'll talk to some people and make it happen. There you go. Um some other stats, Newcastle are still undefeated at home besides that first match against Arsenal. That's 8 now. Uh unbeaten. So, or wait, did I get it's 8? It is. Yeah. <laughs> 8 unbeaten at home. That's incredible. That needs to keep going. Um so, oh, breaking news. 
No. Breaking news. What? What? Joseph DeGrosa, in an interview with NBA's Pro Soccer Talk, Joseph DeGrosa confirmed that he is still talking with Newcastle United, but I'm not sure we're going to reach an agreement. The huh. end. When did he say this? Uh, today. Like, just, oh. like a few hours ago. Oh. So that's actually like our first live breaking news. Cuse. Deuce for the cuse. But he doesn't think it's going to work out. Well, here's the thing. I I need Joseph DeGrosa to buy Newcastle. Uh, he's it's not sounding good. Well, I mean, I, I don't care. I just need him to buy it because we're connected on LinkedIn, and he's going to be my my ticket to getting courtside seats at a Duke Syracuse game at Cameron Indoor. Hmm. So, Joseph, we need we need you to come through, even though it doesn't look likely, and we didn't really think it was going to be likely. Um. So yeah, I mean, you could have gone director's box at Newcastle United, but sure, you can have your watch Duke destroy Syracuse by thirty-five points. Well, um, <laughs> not this year because the ACC sucks. <laughs> uh, another going to five thirty-eight, where they're projecting how the Premier League will finish. And if you remember, five thirty-eight now five matches in a row where they've predicted projected what would happen in Newcastle's match. So they're on a roll with Newcastle. Um, we'll be talking about them a little bit later for the Man United match. Um, but they we moved up. Uh, so they, now they're having Newcastle would finish with 45 points. So we've been hovering around this 45 number. We're at 43 before this, but they think with the win, that will bump us to 45 on the season, which will put us at 13th place. They still have Crystal Palace finishing one place ahead of us in 12th with one more point than us. But 45 points would put us three points from 10th, uh, which they have Everton. Or, sorry, three points from... Yeah, I was right. I was right. Three points from 10th, which is Everton right now. So, um, looking good. Looking like it's going to be safe. However, like the relegation teams are Aston Villa, Watford, and Norwich. Um, they're having Aston Villa get relegated with 36 points. So that would put that puts us nine points clear of relegation. We're 10 now. So they're kind of thinking that the rest of the Premier League will kind of stay where it's at for the most part. Um, yeah. Anything else stat-wise? Uh, no. Um, just excited to be here, you know, <laughs> living life. Cool. Well, the Premier League table is looking great. We're in ninth. Oh. 25 points through 18 matches. We scored 18 goals in 18 matches. And we are, believe it or not, Elijah, we're three points away from fifth. And we've beaten the team in fifth. Two nothing. Sheffield. Oh. Uh, we're seven points from fourth. Uh, so, like, that's not far. Like, four, seven points is certainly a lot to overcome. But it's not, like, unattainable. Which yeah, is, we like, shall overcome. Yeah, it's really not. Um, so around us, so you have fifth is Sheffield, six Wolves, seven Spurs, and then we're on tied on points with Man United. It was our next match. They lead the goal difference, but a win against them, and we ain't tied no more. Below us, one point below us is Burnley, 
Two points below us is Arsenal and Crystal Palace. And then we have five points clear from 13th right now, which is Brighton at 20 points. So, Elijah, who is your best player? And I think we should say it at the same exact time. Okay. On the count of three. Yeah. One, two, three. Martin Dubravka. <laughs> okay. No, no, it's Miguel. Uh, <laughs> I had a feeling. I think every like, I think everyone predicted that you were going to do something like that. Yes, you. I wasn't going to. I was going to say Miguel, but then you made a whole big deal about it. Like, oh, let's say it together at the same time, which just confirmed that I needed to say someone yeah. but him. Yeah. So. Your unpredictableness is becoming predictable. Mm. <laughs> um. Tell me why Miggy wins. I mean, uh, you have to look at the whole match. I think as a whole, him playing centrally was just key, especially in the first half to Newcastle creating chances, um, not restricting him to one side of the pitch, especially when he's so one-footed, which that is still my biggest criticism of him, and I think anyone will say the same. I think he will say the same, uh, is that he is, he is so reliant on his left foot, and we saw why. I mean... What a brilliant strike with his left foot that was to get the goal. But it, it's just so – he's just such a delight when you give him the freedom to move around the pitch and, and create these little runs and create space for others. And he was freeing up guys. I mean, some of the reasons Joel Linton and Andy Carroll were able to, to get free were because Miguel was drawing defenders um, away. And so it, it seems like, you know, it'd be interesting to see what Bruce does when St. Maxman comes back. I mean, if there's going to be some sort of formation change – it would be interesting if we ran a, a five three two, um, and with Miguel um, and Saint Maxman. I wonder what that would look like. Do you have two attacking midfielders and just trust your defense, or do you play Saint Maxman as a secondary striker, which I'm sure Greg would would like as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it was just probably hit one of his best matches as as a Newcastle player. I mean, he created chances. He almost scored twice. Um, he scored. I don't know. It was just it was just an all around good match. There are some other players that we can get into as well, that also had just brilliant matches as well. Yeah, uh, I think it, like I think with Almiron, and, and we're going to get into this more when like when he scores. Um, people get very frustrated on him when he doesn't score because he gets so many chances. But like you say the point, like, and I, I'm not disagreeing with you at all here, like this is one of his better matches at Newcastle United. And I think it's just because he scored. And I think, which is an extremely valid point, but if you took that goal away, he had another extremely productive, very good game for Newcastle. Yeah. And I was like, going to make him, I was already, elevated that. Yeah. I was already going to say he's my best player in the 75th minute because yeah. he just looked like the best player for Newcastle. Yeah. Like, and yeah. there were some very, like, there was, I mean, there's a close second for me. Who I honestly, you know, it, it could be up in the air if, if it's a if it's a nil nil draw. Javi Mankio just also just had a really good match. Yes, Steve Bruce shouted about, him out. Yeah, neutralized one of the best players um, in the Premier League, in my opinion, in Wilfred Zaha, just made him a non-factor. And even when other guys on that front line, uh, the guys who we made fun of, like Binteke and Ayu, um, they were free and had chances. Like Zaha never got the amount of space they got because Mankio was just like, like he was, he was in Mankio's pocket. Like there was nothing he could do, and then Mankio offered things going forward, and it kind of gets me excited. I mean, bless his heart, Paul Dummett's injured, 
But I would, I'm excited to see a potential, just due to the fact we have injuries, our next match of like DeAndre Yedlin and Javi Mankio playing together with Mankio on the left and DeAndre Yedlin on the right. It's just, I don't know, it seems like it's going to be fun to watch, especially with like how great Mankio's been playing the past couple matches. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, Just some notes. I, I put this in my article too, but it's worth mentioning. Um, oh yeah, everyone go read Greg's article. It's actually really good. Uh, thank you, Elijah. I say that as if like you don't write good articles. Sometimes I don't. Um, so just from who scored, there just the player rating. So all the players that got rated a seven or higher. There's one player rated above an eight, and that was Miguel Almiron. It was eight point two eight. Um, everybody else was between a 7.03 and a 7.75. And those players are Andy Carroll, Javier Minkio, John Joe Shelby, Paul Dummett, Fabian Cher, Martin Dubrovka, and Florian Lejeune. Um, Lejeune with the highest among those at 7.75. So, like, that's really good. The only, like, no player got below a six. The lowest one was Yedlin, who played one minute. So you can't even accumulate a high rating at all. Um, yeah. So unless like, he scored within the point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you go in on the pitch, you get a six. Like if you make an appearance, it's a six. Um so he got a six point oh three for playing for seventy five seconds. Um so yeah, everybody that played did well enough to get a better than average score. So that's that's really good. Um and that usually leads you to wins. So very good overall. Very excited. Elijah uh do you want to move to Man United? Um, yeah, do you have a horse player? No. I mean, either. So, Good. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> um, alright, let's go, let's preview Manchester United, um, and we're going to do that right after this break. Boxing Day, Newcastle United, in Old Trafford, against Manchester United, the Battle of the Uniteds. Newcastle are undefeated against United this year. This is a big one. Both teams tied on points. Eighth place Manchester United, ninth place Newcastle United. This is big. We're in December and we're talking about a big match against Manchester United because there's ramifications in the table. I love it. Mm. 9.30 a.m. Pacific time, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Which sets us up for a five thirty British? Are you five or six hours? I'm I mean, five. Five. So five thirty um, p.m. inning on Boxing Day. So, Elijah, why do you hate Manchester United? Well, for starters, their manager's name I can't pronounce, and if I can't pronounce <laughs> it, then I hate you. So, old Gunner Scrooge. Old Gunner. <laughs> Oh, gunner! Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm over it. I'm sick and tired of it. So, um, shout out, shout out to him for having a terrible name. Mm. Um, so yeah. that's the that's first things first. Secondly, they still act as if they're like the biggest club, um, in England. Their fans are the most annoying. They have a lot of international fans, which is cool, but like, it just seems like the the passion in that fan base isn't there. They just think they're better than everyone. Although they haven't been relevant in their own city uh, for the last six years, you'd say six, seven years, they haven't yeah. been the better team. Like they've just they they aren't good. 
um, in terms of like looking at Manchester United versus Manchester City. Um, Anthony Martial, everyone kept talking about how great he is, and he's not that good, so shout out to him. And the Red Devils is satanic, and I'm a Christian, so yeah, I hate them for that too. All right. Now, in a new segment that we will continue on, it's Urban yeah. Dictionaries trash-talking of whoever we're playing. Okay. Uh, we have to work on a better name for that. It, I, word so on here's, the streets. Here's some of the best definitions. And these are just real definitions, you know? These are real. Uh, we are for making these up because we're not, we don't have the energy to write out some of this stuff. So, <laughs> Manchester United, noun. <laughs> Good. <laughs> a famous football club from China and Southeast Asia, but for some strange reason is based in Northwest England. It has a few thousand supporters in England, but the majority of its fans are Chinese, Thais, Vietnamese, or Laotian. Several medical studies have concluded proven that a large percentage of their fan base suffers from dementia, megalomania, delusions of grandeur, latent homosexual tendencies, and irritable brow syndrome. <laughs> Manchester United, a t-shirt mer- and merchandising team, also plays football, but to a lesser extent. <laughs> a merchandising company based in Manchester, England, who are responsible for paying the referee salaries in the English Premier League, also to some extent involved in playing football. A team followed by bandwagoners and formerly teeny boppers who went for them because David Beckham is so hot. A money-making merchandise spinning whore enterprise that plays a bit of soccer on the side. (laughs) Um, Most hated football team in the world. Their supporters all live in London and their home fixture is a theme park. They suck because people sing about Munich but are happy to sing about Arsene Winger being a pedophile every time he goes there. They fork out outrageous amounts of money for players who turn out to be not that good. I see you, Michael Carrick. 95% of their supporters live overseas and know jack shit about their team, yet profess a long-standing love of their team. That That's the that's what I was trying to say earlier, but I couldn't say it without trying to sound like a, like a dick. But yeah. like that's exactly what... like. Oh gosh, there especially in the states. There's so many Manchester United fans that don't even know like club legends that are in the states. I'm like, come on, come on. Yeah. Are you really gonna like? Are you really a fan? You know. Yep. And the last one is Manchester United, a team that is probably supported by an Irishman that's living in London. <laughs> and that is uh, that's it for me. I love it. Okay, Elijah has no comment, so we'll go to the Premier League table. I mean, what table. else can I say? I mean, that was that was it was, was a segment, and you did exactly what you said you would do. <laughs> <laughs> the Premier League table, which we just talked about, Manchester United on eighth, Newcastle United on ninth, but only separated by goal difference. So this is a big one. Let's get into lineups and injuries for this one. So for Newcastle. Uh, the question is mainly, well, obviously St. Gucci Max is out, but Paul Dummett picked up a groin injury. He was able to play, but uh, it just remains to be seen how it's going to look for there. Um, I don't know if John Joe and Shelby, uh, John Joe and Shelby, John Joe and Miggy are going to be like able to go again after coming back from injury so soon. Uh, Lejeune, same question for that. Um, and that's it, pretty much. Oh, Jetro is also doubtful. 
Um, and then on Manchester United side, Paul Pogba just made his comeback from injury uh, on a two nothing loss to Watford. Um, so I'm assuming Mason Greenwood starts. Eric Bailey's definitely out. Timothy Fasu Mensa is out. Rojo's doubtful. Delo is doubtful. Um, yeah, that's it. Elijah, line up us up. Yeah, um, it should be interesting. Uh, I mean, I I want us to roll out the same lineup. To be honest, um, uh, I think Paul Dummett probably won't be in the the lineup. Obviously, I'd like to see, like I said earlier, Mankio Yedlin uh, kind of tandem. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, because I think, for the most part, it wasn't broke. I'd say for 60% of the match, it wasn't broke. Um, so that's 60% is better than the beginning of the season where everything was broken for 100% of the time. So, uh, yeah, I, I, let's roll out the same, the similar lineup. Um, so I guess that's Minkio, uh, Lejeune, Cher, Fernandez, oh, and Evelyn. Uh, wait, wait a moment. I just forgot I saw this. And... Oh. I think this is important for your lineup. Oh. Uh, the Shields Gazette actually reported today that Steve Bruce is really positive on Jetro and that apparently he's set to return against and will be available against Manchester United. So I don't know if that means a starting capacity, but I think it's at least worth mentioning. It is worth mentioning. Uh, I would say that that's important. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dubrovkin goal, back line, I think – on the safe side, but it is Steve Bruce. You never know with him. Um, Mankio on the left, um, I think. I don't know if Steve Bruce knows Mankio can play on the left, but, I mean, why not? Mankio on the left with uh, your your back three of Lejeune, Cher, and Fernandez, or Lejeune, Fernandez, and Cher, whichever order you want to say it, um, with Yedlin as your right wing back. Uh, probably one of those two is going to get subbed off for Jetro. Um, his presence is needed Definitely, I think this team gets really scary when you add Jetro back in the fold and along with ASM. Um, with like you, like you said, you know one of the, the probably the three best ball playing center backs as a combination. I mean, in, in pot- potentially in Europe. I mean, that's a bold thing to say, but in terms of just like having all your center backs be able to play with the ball at their feet, I think there's some teams that do it really well. Um, and I think Newcastle are. It's just underrated because they aren't playing in the Champions League. So, um, yeah. Anyway, midfield, uh, probably going to be the same. Um, maybe you get a slight formation flip with um, Hayden and Shelby playing alongside each other. Um, instead of um, Hayden playing up top with Almiron, I still think, I feel like you just want a little bit more, uh, you want a little bit more defense in that midfield with Guys like Pogba and just more dynamic players than Crystal Palace had. Um, Miguel playing behind uh, Jolinton and Andy Carroll. I think, I don't know, I think that's that's pretty fair. Andy seems pretty healthy. He's been able to play full matches, so I, I don't I don't see why there wouldn't why he wouldn't start. So, yeah, I love it. Let's go to what do you think Newcastle has to do to win if they pull out that lineup? Yeah, it's, it's going to be more of the same. Uh, you're going to want to play through Miggy. You're going to want to play through um, the midfield uh, and allow allow your, your center backs to do what they do best and ping the ball up the field. I mean, our our goal came from a, 
essentially came from a really good cross from one of our center backs. So just allow them that space and, and be able to cover for them when they go forward. Um, and then, of course, feed Miggy. Feed 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 him because only good things will happen. Uh, you know, hopefully Joel Linton can score, get some confidence. Um, I think all is forgiven with Joel Linton. If, he, if he's able to bag a, a couple goals in this next run of matches, then I think all is forgiven for him. Um, I don't know. And I think this formation is giving him the best opportunity to do so. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we didn't, which we didn't even, I didn't even realize until like, I mean, I knew, but we, this is our first time playing any team twice in the premier league. Oh, shout out to us. Well, Um, not ever, but this season, yeah, this season. And we beat them one, nothing last time. Um, but obviously we had St. Gucci Max in that. So that and that was an interesting match. And now we were home, but we only had thirty two percent possession in that. Maddie Longstaff had a day. He had over an eight on who scored. Jetro, Fabian, um Long, Sean Longstaff, um, Dubrovka all did really well, and it was Matt's goal that, that did it. Um so it's going to be interesting here because we, you know, we played this this way at home against them, and we're able to pull something out. I don't know, or I'm not comfortable running out of three five two against Manchester United's four three three in Old Trafford. I would much rather go with like a five four one, like our normal formation, uh, to really bunker in, and then also play through like Mickey on the counter. That's, I don't know if we can win in that formation against Man United's attack. That's what I'm concerned with. I know it's not performing well, their attack, but it's at least something of note. I think you have the potential to go either way. Um, I think I, we could see Newcastle come out in a 5-3-2 and then switch. I mean, it's mm-hmm. entirely possible um, and probably likely. So, um, you know, <laughs> For all the crap I talked about Steve Bruce and over in the beginning of the year, I have to hand it to him. Um, switching formations and it actually working is probably the best tactical thing he's done all season. Um, and I think, you know, he made subs earlier this match. So he's improving and he's growing on me a little bit. So I have to give him credit. And I think that, you know, he might have a chance to get things right here. I think the move is to try to come out in the 5-3-2, and if it's not working, because I think that's our best opportunity to score offensively. Like I think that's the best offensive formation we have. But like you said, defending against this Manchester United attack is going to be difficult in that formation. But if their attack is is not doing well, then you stick with it. And if they're starting to create chances, you can switch it up, and you have the ability to do so. Yeah. Yeah, that's... it's. For me, I I definitely it's going to have to be that it's going to be have to have to be exactly how it was the last time we played them, and it's going to have to be like similar to Crystal Palace and plenty of other matches that we've played. We're going to have to get that one goal in the 70th or 80th minute and bunker the rest of the way. Um, like it's kind of like the old Rafa strategy, like make the match 20 minutes, make it a 20 minute match. So just bunker until there's about 20 minutes left, and then try to get one. Um, in my opinion. Now. It's your opinion, though. Yeah. 
Um, who's the player to watch for Manchester United? Oh, gosh. I mean, who <laughs> isn't the player to watch? Uh, it's Rashford, Rashford for me. Yeah. I mean, he's, in, he's, he's been good this season. I think uh, just... Obviously, he's just coming back, but... It, I mean, maybe it's just biased for me, but I still think Pogba is one of the best midfielders in the world, so uh, maybe him. Yeah. Um, Marcus Rashford has scored 55% of the goals that Newcastle United have scored. Oh, this game's on NBC Sports Network. It is. Okay, shout out to us. Getting a, <laughs> uh, getting a, 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 it's, a, good, a big boy game. It's a road game midweek. What do you expect? Of course we're on international tv yeah i mean it is also <laughs> boxing day but yes you're right yeah. wow this is is this is this the first time is this the first time in since we've been promoted that this has been our first uh nationally televised match with another top 10 team no okay then it isn't <laughs> nationally not first match ever nationally televised yeah definitely not we were just on national tv with every time we play manchester city we've been on national tv no 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 like we are in the top 10 and the other team oh like, two top 10 yeah that's oh it is. i see what you're saying okay yeah yeah i, like, I thought you said like, just newcastle versus a top 10 team i'm like well, what? no well we yeah we've played <laughs> liverpool on national team we've yeah played a lot like, of teams wait. okay we've i see what you're away saying. to a lot of with us also teams. being in the top 10 Got yeah it. yeah like it's a dual top 10 matchup like, maybe i should have phrased it like that yeah there's only really one chance i think because we finished 10th that first year back so that would have to be it um, yeah, and I don't remember who we played in the last match. That might have actually. But I don't well, think we were in fifth, like in the beginning. So it, it probably won't. It, it's going to be close though, because we were in fifth at the beginning of that year, like just very early on. But, but I don't know if we were. That um, was nationally televised. That's the that's the caveat. Anyway, yeah. not important. But I guess that's our stat. Yeah, that hasn't been confirmed. That's one of them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of players to watch out for here. Obviously. Um, Scott McTominay. Oh, David De Gea. I don't know. He's an important player he's, for their team. Uh, I don't know because he's been having nightmare performances, especially in their last match and their loss against Watford. Well, that's we got to watch him. He is cold AF right now. I love it. Um, oh, Aaron Juan Basaka. Juan Basaka is my. He dude. is very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So there's there's a ton to watch out for, but Rashford's the potent one. Maybe we should go six in the back. <laughs> we might go nine in the back, so we'll see. Yeah. Um, some stats. Oh. Do you have any stats? Oh, yes, I, I have, do. I have some juicy ones. Okay. Do you want to just go stat off? Yeah. Okay. You go first. I'm, I'm welcoming the guest into my realm. Oh. Manchester <laughs> United have lost just one of their last 34 top flight home meetings with Newcastle United. Mm-hmm. And that's... They uh they lost one nothing in December 2013 at Old Trafford. And do you know who David scored that Woods. goal? No, I don't know who scored that goal. Oh, I, was that even that's what, that was my stat. I was going to use that stat oh. okay. uh, that it, we've only beaten them once in Old Trafford since the Premier League started, and it was and who scored the goal? Uh, Jonas Valencia. I just made that name up. 
<laughs> I was going to say <laughs> Jonas Valanciunas, and I'm thinking Jonas Gutierrez. Yeah. But I don't even know why I said Valencia. So. Either one of those answers would have been wrong. Okay. First hint is he's French. He's what? He's French. He's French. Uh, then it's Johan Kabay. Yes, it is. Beauty of a goal, too. We beat him one. I think I did see that goal on like when the Premier League tweets out goals. Like maybe it was like a few weeks ago. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, it hasn't been when we played them actually. Like the week we played them. Now that I'm thinking about it. What's your stat? Mine was who scored that goal. That's go with that. That's it, dude. No, you get another one. Okay. Um, when would be the last time that Newcastle United beat? Manchester United at Old Trafford. Or sorry, the last time that Newcastle United did the double in the league against Manchester United. Dude, we're pulling the same stats, Greg. 1930. So yeah, the 1930-31 season. Yeah. Do you know who scored those goals? Okay. N- I'm no. joking. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> I should right. just look that up real quick. What's your next one? All right. Um... Let's see. That's not a good stat. Wow. In Premier League history, Man U have won more games, 20, and have a higher win percentage, 80%, on Boxing Day than any other side in the competition. Mm. Meanwhile, Newcastle have lost more games on that day than any other side. Interesting. I like yeah. that one. I didn't have Thank that you. one. Oh. Um... Well, Manchester United haven't had a clean sheet in the Premier League since September. Oh. And they've failed to keep one in five of the last six matches at home against Newcastle United. This might be our best stats podcast we've ever done. Did you have that one? No. Okay. But that's a good stat. Yeah. Thanks. I have a follow-up to my last stat about Manchester United on Boxing Day. They haven't, lost, they haven't lost a home league game on Boxing Day since 1978. They've won 15 and drawn three at Old Trafford on Boxing Day. Wow. They are certainly boxers. <laughs> yes. They are <laughs> boxers. Yeah. So, now I'm going to get oh, very... I, I still have more stats. I could... Okay. Um go then because mine's gonna get very numbers based okay these are no one cares about numbers people are gonna have to follow along with me real quick okay in 10 oh gosh this is i'm not gonna do that one now since beating stoke 5-1 in 2013 newcastle have lost all four their their last four all all of their last four league boxing day games by an aggregate score of aggregate score of one to nine so Hmm. that's that's not great that's not good Um, at all Manchester United have won just one of their seventeen, their one of their last seventeen Premier League matches when they've enjoyed more possession than their opponents, um, which is a three-one win at Norwich in early October, which obviously bodes well into our Newcastle bunker uh, type thing. It seems like yeah. Manchester United want to play a little back and forth, not with Newcastle. You got to nope. force your way in. Um, of course, this is one everyone knows. Um, Twenty-five points after eighteen games so, thus far. Eight more than we did last year, um, with in the same space under Rafa Benitez, um, and then let's uh, 
Here's one. Man U's Mason Greenwood scored his last Premier League match at Old Trafford um, in equalizer against Everton. Only three teenagers have scored in consecutive home matches for Manchester United in the competition. Can you name those three? David Beckham, uh, Cristiano no. Ronaldo, no. Wayne Rooney. You got one of them. Wayne Rooney. <laughs> oh. um, Ryan Giggs. Uh, Giggsy. You have a last guess? I could 2010. have Giggs, I think. The other, the 2010 one. I'll give would... you a hint. This guy is not a wonder kid like people thought he'd be. Uh... Do you want another hint? No. Okay. <coughs> Are you going to say it? Oh, yeah. It's Federico Macheda. who okay. <laughs> definitely would never have gotten that. Yeah. He, he was a hot name in the streets. Uh, he scored. And then, similar to Hasselu at Real Madrid, he scored. And then, like, everyone's like, oh, this guy's the truth. And then... Why are we reading stats game. about Manchester United, though? Because I just thought it was interesting. All right, do you, oh, want, okay. you want to Steve Bruce that? No. Ten away Premier League matches at Old Trafford as a manager. Steve Bruce has lost nine of them. He had one great draw. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right, so a couple stats on my side, numbers-based. Uh, 538 coming first. They project how each match is going to go. They've been correct on five straight occasions for Newcastle United, and if that's going to go to a six, we are not going to be happy. They're projecting that Man United has a 65% chance to beat us, a 22% chance to draw, and only a 13% chance Newcastle United wins this match. So very low of the Boxing Day matches. That is the second lowest chance to win. Only uh, Chelsea over Southampton has a higher percentage. So... Uh, 538 has us as big underdogs in this Boxing Day match. Um, Something else I wanted to cover, stat-wise. So, I got really into some expected stats. Mm -hmm. Big X guy. Yep. Um, Stats are killing the Premier League. And I broke... I um, have something on our formations. So, when we... Go in a three-five-two formation. We have pretty much we're expected to get a half goal more than what we've gotten. But in every stat- statistic in every game that we've ran the five-four-one, we're grossly outperforming our goals and assists expected. Oh. We have over four more goals than what we're expected in in the five-four-one, and we have over eight point two more assists than what we're expected. Like insanely overperforming in that metric. And the one thing with expected is like if you're really overperforming and what's expected is eventually that will regress to the mean. That's like the goal of it at least. But we're continuously outperforming in that formation. Um, so that's something really interesting to, to point out. Like I'm, I went through a lot of different clubs in the Premier League and nobody is outperforming any formation by that much. Like it's Newcastle. Like we are like insanely doing well and outperforming our expected numbers there. So it's it's pretty interesting. No other formations close. Everything three five two, four two three one, four four two. Um, it's all pretty much even with what was expected. Um 
Also, we're grossly outperforming our expected goals in set pieces. Over two and uh, two and a half more goals than expected from set pieces. Good. So we're pretty much even on open play. Um, but yeah, that's just some expected numbers I wanted to send your way. Um, predictions. Do you want to go first, or you want me? Yeah. To? Um, I think I'll go first. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna guess a two-one win for Newcastle. Um, oh, that's to, my exact guess. Well. I think we have the same. I think we see it going the same way. Newcastle getting an early goal, probably fluky. We or always just score early against them. Yeah, score. We're early. on the same page right now. Keep going. They're going to equalize, and then we're going to get one at the death, seventy fifth minute. Like you said, bunker down, try to play for the draw, get lucky, and somehow um, there'll be there'll be a goal. Um, I think the late winner is going to come from the Manchester United killer himself. Yoshinori Muto. Oh, I thought you were going to say one of the long staffs. No. Uh, just Muto. Because he scored against Manchester United. People forget that. That was a two the long staffs. Well, I mean, yes, but people <laughs> know that. I'm saying people forget about people uh, forget about Muto in general. Yeah. But, I don't know. Um, I think My... he'll score and Big Joe will get his, uh, his goal. Whoa! Yeah. It was a bit of an overreaction to that. I I well, hinted to it earlier. When he I was has like, one I think, goal this season. Well, I mean, I predicted Miguel Amaron to score for like almost a year. Well, okay, not almost a year, but a long time, and he had zero goals. So, <laughs> like, he's Joel Linton is still the only striker to have a goal. Yeah. Uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Like, as much as people, like, want to get on Andy Carroll and, like, oh, he's so great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy Carroll has, has less goals than Joel Linton this season. Yeah, so. but and, Andy Carroll is noticeably better, though. Oh, I mean, yes, but okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, as I'm, long just, as I'm a stats guy. I'm a stats guy. I sound like <laughs> the people who are going up against, have you seen that Rafa Benitez, like, uh, I, went, I guess it's a Stan account, but, like, it's like a shrine to Rafa, this Newcastle fan, and they're saying, like, they had the, all these stats about like um, so far Newcastle are like uh, like nineteenth in possession and nineteenth in chances created and twentieth in goals scored and blah 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 and like he's uh he's saying all these stats and just like everyone's been commenting on replying to his tweet blank hey uh, you know we're in ninth right like. We're twenty. Yeah. I mean, expected good because that's our style of play now. So good, and like, it's that's like where we should and be. Every, literally, and he's like hiding all the comments that are like, "Hey, we're in ninth and yeah. eight points better." Like he's just hiding those. It's so dumb. So I echo everything that Elijah said. I think Newcastle. I'm going Newcastle two to one, and I'm saying the winner is going to come from a long staff. and it's going to be the same exact fluke goal that Mo Diame scored in the championship. Oh. It's going to be deflected twice off of his back heel and in the net past Dickey, who's going to make an awful goalkeeping error to let the ball in, and we're going to win 2-1. to one. Yeah, our best shot is actually a De Gea error. <laughs> oh, I call him De Gea. <laughs> De Gea, yes. Yeah. De Gea. But no, no, my, actually my, De Gea. De Gea. De Gea. Yeah, you, he doesn't get to beat De Gea until he starts looking like a De Gea. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well... 
let's uh, let's go to questions. Yeah, and we're gonna which do there that. are many. Shout out to you guys. Yeah, we're gonna do <laughs> questions right after this break. Okay, we got some questions. Thank you all for your submissions. Uh, we'll get through these now. And the first one from as I'm pulling this up, I'm delaying, delay, delay. Here we go. First one from Kenny Wharton sits on the ball at Noel Pecker. Uh, he's from Petersburg, Peterborough, sadly for him. Uh, if Carroll has to be rested, how would you set up up front? That's a very good question. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I will preface this by saying I don't think Carroll will be rested. Um, I think you go, you have to revert back to that, that, uh, the the five four one with Atsu and exactly. Miguel Amaron. That that's just the best thing to do. Um, Atsu's not Alan St. Maxman, but he does still provide a threat with his speed um, on the counter, and that's probably going to be your best way of scoring um, against this team. Don't even entertain the idea of having a guy like Dwight Gale come in. Um, he's just he's just not cut it for this level. And uh, when he's sold, that'll be good for whatever championship team buys him. I wish him very. The, the the greatest amount of luck. You know, it'd be wild, actually. I'm just what? thinking about this. If we bought back Mitrovic, <laughs> yeah, that would. Okay, yeah, just throw that out there. Anyway, um, yeah, is that how you would answer that question as well? Yeah, you got to go five four one and counterattack with Joe, Big Joe, as the uh, lone striker. That's how I would do it. Um, I don't trust <clears throat> anybody else. So, uh, Mister Steel, you're worldwide. At yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo. He says, or she, you don't know. Um, how long before Miggy scores his next goal, Elijah? Um, well, we say Elijah, but I'm asking you. Well, if I, man, uh, you know, my heart wants to say. I'm Will sorry, be another 2,191 minutes? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I as if if you're a regular to the show, you know Monday Night Football is usually on and it's over, and they just showed the playoff scenarios, and it just says like Seattle Seahawks potential spot one, two, three, four, or five. Like that's how messed up the playoffs are this year. Anyway, um, I want to say the next match, but that would be going against what I said earlier about me predicting Miguel to score. So I'm going to say he's going to score another goal in January. But okay. I'm hoping he scores the next three matches in a row. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping he scores the, he he breaks Fardy's record. Um Yeah, I think he's scoring against Everton. Yeah, they're in shambles. I mean, to be fair, he could score against the G. The G, yeah, he could score against the G, but I'm giving him this this upcoming Saturday against Everton for sure. And then uh he'll score He'll get a brace against Leicester the following match. Oh, gosh. Against Iose. That'd be <laughs> huge. That's not happening. Um, You know what could happen? I just thought about this. It makes no, no sense. But <laughs> don't think. Um, <laughs> uh, Matty Longstaff, Sean Longstaff midfield for uh, Man U. Yeah. Just, you play into the full, like, Longstaffs have their card thing, and you just go all in on it. And you... <laughs> You actually inform no. the field of Isaac Hayden and Jojo Shelby for two guys who've just like been coming off the bench. Uh, at uh, Kenny Wharton sits on the ball. You know what we do if if Carroll can't score? 
we put the long staffs up top and run a four four two. Let's yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get you it. Know, you know. And we that, run them out there work. in their black Santa Claus hats. <laughs> yes. Let's go. <laughs> um, Brody Crystal at NUFC oh. Brody. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a picture, Brody. Oh, I'm that's a flex. Um. Do you think we have future with Steve Bruce at the helm or are just doomed to fail with Ashley tight perch strings? That's a, that's a very interesting question. I'm going to go the optimistic route here and say we're not doomed because we're currently in ninth. So things must be going all right. Um, and Ashley has a, a very, um, I guess he has a keen interest in keeping us in the Premier League because he gets more money if we're in the Premier League. So uh, for the goal of, and I'm just speaking future, for the goal of Premier League survival, I think that we are in a very good place in the future. And I don't think as long as Steve Bruce stays that we're really going to get to that point. Um, But my concern is like, you know, this is Newcastle and I still don't think that we should be hoping that we make it in the Premier League. I, I'm hoping that we're consistently fighting for top 10 finishes, top 8, and then eventually Europa and top 4. So that's I want I want ambition, and that's whole, all of Rafa's point, and, um, and I'm sure everyone wants that, but someone just doesn't want to make the investment to do so. So, um, But yeah, I, I don't think we're doomed. If if that's the goal is to stay up, that's my answer. Yeah, I don't I don't know if we're doomed. I think where things get interesting is next summer. Um, if Newcastle gallivant their way to somehow finishing in the top ten, you have a tricky situation where people are going to be coming for share. People are going to be coming for Lejeune. People are going to be coming for Martin Dubravka. Um, people could be coming for St. Gucci Max. It's going to be hard for Mike Ashley, a man who lives for profit, to say no to a £45 million offer for Fabian Cher. And then that's where it gets kind of tricky and scary because I just I don't, I don't think Steve Bruce is going to be able to, you know, maintain this level of success. I think it's going to be more of a relegation scrap next year if we lose key players which I think is something that people aren't talking about because I think people just assume that, like, yeah, everything's going well in Newcastle. These players have stuck here now that, like, you know, they won't leave. But I'm telling you, if, if Chelsea, not Chelsea, that's a bad example, um, let's say Arsenal um, come calling because uh, they need defenders and Fab- they were like, hey, Fabian Cher, we want to sign you. And they're like, we'll pay 35 mil for him right now. I think no one says no in that situation. Yeah, we shall see. And the last question is from our official questionnaire, CHN Radio, at Trevor Mooney 12. He says, how are you going to celebrate our recent success over the holidays? Eat some Miggy pudding, sing a Christmas carol, or build a snowman Keo? Well... Um, I think you and I both live in places where it's definitely not going to snow. Uh, definitely will not snow. Yeah. But there is snow. snow within 45 minutes of me. Oh. Shout out there's to a, what, a Joshua ski Tree? Oh, oh, I was thinking no. National Parks. 
Mount Mount Charleston has a ski resort on it, and that's only forty five minutes from Vegas. Oh, they have like oh. two feet of snow already. Good for them. Yeah, um, I won't be visiting. Uh, so technically, I could. Uh, yes, um, I will not be eating Miggy pudding because figgy pudding already sounds. And have you seen figgy pudding? That stuff looks no. gross. To be honest, I didn't even know figgy pudding exists. Uh, you didn't know that it exists, or you you were you just like assumed it didn't exist for a while, and then one day you found out it existed. No, I like I did. I've never even heard about figgy pudding before. But there's a whole song. It's in one of the Christmas songs. Yeah, I I just I just realized that when I when I looked up figgy pudding, but I literally had no idea what it was. Yeah, but I, I mean, and I was like, "That's gross, Miggy pudding." Like that's like bad form, Trev. And then I realized like it's a pun. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> it obviously doesn't look like pudding because it's not, but it doesn't look that appetizing. And like it looks good on the outside. But all the cross sections of it look terrible, so okay. uh, I don't think I'll be eating any of that. Um, so it has to be carols. One, I do enjoy Christmas carols, and I enjoy singing. Um, as you know, I come from musical background, so I think I'll be singing Christmas carols. Um, hopefully, not with my girlfriend because she's a much better singer than me. So I'll just I, not I, sing with her. I'm definitely down to sing Christmas carols here, but it has to be a lit Christmas. Okay, I'm, I'm I'm tired of like the same old Christmas songs all the time. Like I want a uh, a crunk version of Christmas. I want oh, a, Christmas I, and Hollis. I want a young jock version of Christmas. Like I want to oh. bring it back a little bit. Oh. Um, young jock is the guy you went with. Okay. Man, meet me at the pole. Is going down. Yeah, let's let's get some. Unique Christmas caroling going on here. DMX, the... Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. The classic. Oh, he is... that. Talk about a great voice, DMX. Yeah. Look um, that up if you haven't heard it. It's angelic. That's one of the best videos out there in existence. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'll be on board with you there. Uh, this has been kind of a long pod, but we're going to get a couple more of these because we have a lot of back-to-backs upcoming. Yeah. So, enjoy. Uh, yeah. Um, do you have anything else, Elijah? Greg, uh, do you want anything for Christmas? Mm. Whiskey. Whiskey? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think I want an Atlanta United jersey, but I didn't tell anyone this, so I think I'll just buy one after Christmas. There you so, go. Yeah. Because yeah. it looks like their jerseys next year, their secondary jerseys are going to suck. Looks like all yeah. the MLS jerseys next year are going to suck. Yeah. Well, the Union still have Bimbo on the front of it, so it sucks. Hey, shout out to the Union for signing a guy. Yeah. Nobody's heard of him, but apparently he's really good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're Venezuelan, (laughs) then you've heard of him. Because apparently people are saying he's like the best player in the Venezuelan league. But he's a defensive midfielder, so he doesn't get like the name wreck. So a lot of good reports, but I still have no idea who he is. And and you guys, the Union tweeted out a highlight video, and it looked like like a high school soccer highlight video just because like the Venezuelan league is destroying people. <laughs> yeah. And he also is just like it's just much better than everyone else in the yeah. videos. But it's just like the the it's like there's like all these random angles and like you there's like no one in the stands in some of the matches. It's like it's interesting. Some of them look like they're from the training ground, but I don't know. Shout out to them. Shout out to everyone. Uh Atlanta yeah. United look like they're about to make another Paraguayan signing. So, shout out to them. 
Yeah, and apparently another unknown is about to be come to Philadelphia. Oh, so we shall Pitty see. Martinez, we're going to sell him to you. <laughs> no, apparently he's from like he's a Scandinavian guy who plays in Poland that I've never heard of. Oh, uh, you mean Josh Slorgeborgen? <laughs> yeah, my boy. Perfect. Yep. All right. Well, that that's it for this podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes episode one hundred and five of CHN Radio. Oh, breaking news. Oh man, we're so close. What is it? Marshawn Lynch. Oh, come Back on. Back in the NFL. We did that it. Includes episode 105 CHN Radio. I am your host, Greg Troxel. This is the best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. And have a Merry Christmas, everyone. Or whatever you're celebrating. Enjoy it. And away the last. I'm coming home, your cousin. I may as well have been in jail. Walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the club again I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park If the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Jody land some people think we're body and we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity and we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I've walked the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother saying, Henny, how we I'm coming home. And I miss the old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Jody heroes, there's so many famous names. Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the dark at St. James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle. You can keep your London wine. Walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the river tide. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me mother seeing Henny Howie. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again. I'll brave the dog, it's in James's park, in the Gallagher's end in the rear. I'm-